God, I thank you so much, Father, that you, you, that you use broken people to deliver a perfect message. Um, Father, that uh, your word is perfect, your truth is perfect. Um, Father, I pray that you would bring meaning to this time, Father, as, as there is many people sharing a whole lot of messages every day of, of, of the week, Father, online and, and on the media and on the news in their, in their work, Father, in their families. Father, this is, this is the time where we get to look at your word and you bring greatest meaning to it. Um, Father, this is about you and I pray that you would um, use this for your purposes. Uh, in your name, amen. Uh, I, like, have you ever hung out with people uh, that they don't have to say anything, they just make you self-conscious about like, what's missing in your own life? <laughs> uh, and uh, and they're, they're living a perfect life, and they're doing everything right, and, and everything that's missing in your life just kind of is like, oh, oh my gosh. So uh, yesterday, we had the elders uh, over our house. We did a uh, thing called uh, Friendsgiving with the, with the elders of the church and their, and their families. And, uh, and there were people that were at my house, and there were, Laura, Laura Milan came early, and uh, helped my wife. And I was like, man, I'm tired. Uh, I didn't think to do that. <laughs> Whoops. Uh, and, uh, and then, like, while we were there, uh, it was like, well, should we have kids come, you know, the, the elders' families and, like, their kids come? I was like, well, I don't really like kids. Uh, and so we invited, we invited kids. Uh, and so there was a lot of kids there. And, uh, and I saw Sue Langworthy uh, leave the table and go help uh, Krista and Josh with, with their kids and the other kids. And, uh, and to be like a, a loving person and sacrificial in that re- regards. And the wheels and, and Sue and Laura, they, they stayed a little bit later and they helped uh, clean all the dishes and, and do a whole bunch of things where Abel and I were like actually able to end the night by sitting on the couch and just kind of like vegging for a second. And, and this whole time I'm like, I'm sitting back and I'm like, man, like I'm tired and I see how they are so selfless. <laughs> and I remember like, that's not how I act when I'm tired. <laughs> Because uh, like, the weekend before, Brady was like, hey, Dad, will you play basketball with me? And I was like, oh, I'm so tired. <laughs> so I played basketball, but not with a great attitude. Uh, there was that morning, last Sunday morning, Wheel, or not Wheels, like Graham sent me an email um, just getting over COVID, talking about how discouraged she was. And I was like, yeah, like, I have a lot of pressure. And I started thinking selfish, 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 selfish. And even like as I was praying, it was like selfish, selfish. Selfish, and it was just like people that are doing good things and being and being sacrificial or and whatnot. It was just like man, like the example, like brought up thoughts about my own life and what is missing and how I need to grow. As I read about Jesus, as I read what he prays about as he's tired, as he's about to go to the cross, it reminds me of what's missing in my own prayer life. I, I've mentioned to you guys in the series about that before. It, it has a way of showing, like man, like an area of growth. Jesus is, 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 is about to go to the cross. He's had dinner with his, with his closest friends, and, and we're in the middle of John chapter 17, where we're looking at something known as the high priestly prayer, where Jesus is praying, and as his life is coming to a close, his earthly life, as, as, he's, as he's in like these, these dire times, what oozes out of him? What, what do we hear about his values? What do we hear about what is his concern? And, and when I read this, it, it reminds me that I need to be concerned about what Jesus is concerned about. That when I'm tired or when life is, is hitting the fan, if you will, where should I be focused on? And perhaps what Jesus shows us today, even when we're tired, is, is a moment where we should think about praying like Jesus prays. So here's how this prayer continues now. In John chapter 17, it says, I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. 
Uh, yours they were, you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you gave me is from you, for I have given them the words that you gave me. They have received them and have come to know the truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world. There's a whole lot of people that Jesus is saying, I'm in this moment, I'm not concerned about. I'm concerned for these people as I'm about to depart this earth. <laughs> I'm, not praying, I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours. Yours are mine now, and, and I am glorified in them. Jesus is looking at the disciples and saying, victory. <laughs> My goal was to. I came to earth to be a beacon of your glory, God the Father. <laughs> and, and all that, like, if you, want, if you want to know who God is, if you are like, who is God? What is God? Like, what is God all about? What is God's character? What, what thrills God? What hurts God? Then look at the life of Jesus. <laughs> You'll have all the answers to your question. Jesus is saying, Jesus, uh, uh, holy God, eternity, three in one. I walk this earth. The disciples now know and believe that I came from you. I lived the life you wanted me to live. Victory is they have believed it and they're living as such. That's what it manifest means. It's not a word that we typically use too often, but manifest, uh, one, of the, one of the definitions of this word is to expose, display, show by one's acts or appearance. To demonstrate that Jesus is the perfect manifestation of the Father. The disciples saw it, they believed it, and they knew it. Now, they are to be a manifestation of God in this world. Jesus is praying, and he says, I'm praying about these people that I've done life with for the last three years. We see Jesus' values as he goes on in this prayer. Our, our big thought for this, this uh, experience is that your prayers reveal your values. Jesus is praying a value-based prayer. This is the, his heart flowing out of him in his time of crisis. And so we're going to look at three different ways in which Jesus proves to show his values through this prayer. Your values reveal, uh, your prayers reveal your values. The first thing that we see from Jesus is the value of security. He says this, I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. I'm coming to you. He knows that he's about to depart for glory. I'm coming to you. Holy Father, keep them. Keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may know that, that they may be one, even as we are one. He's praying for unity. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. They were saved. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, speaking of Judas. That scripture might be fulfilled, but now I am coming to you. These things I speak uh, in the world that they may have joy fulfilled in themselves. He had 12 disciples. God the Father knew that one of them would go and do something that he should not do. And he uses that as a way to get Jesus to the cross. Because the cross leads to Friday, leads to Sunday. The cross leads to resurrection. And so where Judas went, went the way Judas went, the rest of them were kept safe and in his care. And Jesus is looking at this like, like an older parent that sends a, a college kid off to college. 
or, or somebody that stayed after college is now going to the workforce and, and moving across the country, whatever it might be. He's looking at an older parent and saying, hey, they were in my care, and now I can't be God in their lives anymore, and now I have to trust them to the Father. Jesus is saying, they've been in my care for three years, and now as I leave and come to you, Lord, would you keep them safe? Jesus is, is saying, what, what, what do, God, what, do I, what, do I, what am I praying that you do with them as they are in your care? Would you keep them? Would you unify them? Would they know the truth? And would truth be something that gives them joy? As they navigate the hardships of this world, would they find truth to be joy in the midst of hardship? God, as I leave... I'm entrusting them into your care, and I pray that they find joy in the brokenness of this world. One of the most unsafe things uh, in my house uh, a year ago, we just celebrated a year of, of my dog not having uh, his tail. Uh, Bruin uh, suffers from a thing uh, the vets call happy tail. Uh, and so I forgot to tell the first service that uh, he split his tail, and that's why we cut it off. They just think that we didn't like his tail. Uh, but you guys know uh, that a year ago, uh, my dog came in and was so happy to see us. I uh, hit his tail on the corner of our coffee bar, uh, bar and cut it, and we had to uh, amputate it because it, it uh, got all messed up and whatnot. And uh, he didn't know. He was so happy he flung blood all over our kitchen. That was wonderful. Uh, but anyway, so, but he has this thing called happy tail. He's broken many coffee cups. And, uh, and, and it was so dangerous when we would pray because if, if there's one thing that Bruin does not like, he does not like to be ignored. Uh, and so as we would pray before uh, somebody goes and travels or as we would pray before school or as we, would, as we would pray, whenever we would pray as a family, we would oftentimes get in the kitchen and just hold hands and pray. Uh, and Bruin doesn't like to be ignored, and so what, what would happen is all the guys in the family would start praying kind of like this, uh, uh, because his, his tail was just very inconvenient and very, very, very painful. Uh, and so the greatest thing that's ever happened to us is, is when we had to cut off his tail, uh, because it really protected us as we were, as we were praying. Uh, and, and this reminds me of, of what we pray for. Do we pray for people to be safe? Yeah. Like, hey, as you travel, as you, hey, as my parents are leaving my house and going back up to New Hampshire, yes, I'm praying for safety. Uh, as, as one day my kids will leave my house and travel to high school or travel to wherever they're going, and I will pray for safety. As Ava is on the road during her day, I will, I will pray for safety. But as I think about this, as I look at the example of Jesus, at some level, aren't those things secondary? Still important, but aren't they at some level Secondary. As I, send my, as I send my kids off onto the, onto the bus, am I really praying for them to avoid all hardship? Because when I think about my own life, I've grown the most through hardship. I've known God the most when it's been most challenging. I've known the presence of God when I really needed the presence of God. I've, noted the, I've noticed the joy of my salvation in the moments that did not feel joyous. And so there is this element where Jesus is praying and acknowledging that this world is broken and they are safest with you, Father God, and that is where they are going to, to know joy. And so what would it look like for us, yes, to pray for safety, but hey, when Ava is traveling, I'm going to pray not only for safety, but God, would you do something through a podcast and show her, reveal her to her some truth that she just needs in this moment? 
When my unbelieving family member leaves my house, God, I'm praying that there is something that was said during this time together that God would, yes, I pray for safety, but God, use this time to redirect their thinking and their spirit towards you. God, yes, you know what? Stinks that I just got broken up with. Oh, man. God, I, I want to pray. God, give me my ex back. Give me my ex back. But what would a safe prayer look like where it's like, God, no. Do what you need to do in me. God, whatever this time is for, would I draw close to you when my, everything inside of me says to run from you? So perhaps the safest prayer that we can pray for people is to draw close to their God in the midst of the hardship. And so your prayers reveal your values. The first one is he reveals a little thing about uh, security, but then secondly, the value of perspective. He says this, I have given them your word, and the word in the world has hated them because they are not of the world. If you do not agree with the popular opinions out there, aren't you labeled and treated as somebody of hate? And so they hated us. Just as I am not of the world, I do not ask that you take them out of the world. In all of the brokenness of this world, Jesus prays here, not that they would avoid the hardship, but that God would do something in the hardship but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. They came from the world. They are in the world, but they are not of the world. When, when evil entered into this creation, creation was perfect. Evil entered in. You know what happened when evil entered into this world? Two sets of competing values came up. You have the way of the world, and you have the way of Jesus, the life of Jesus that shows how to live a perfect life. And when evil entered into this world, conflict entered, where everything inside of you is to saying, live this way, live this way, do this thing. And Jesus is saying, no, I have a better way. And so there is conflict in God. is having his son say, I'm not asking for you to get them to avoid the hardships in this world. I'm asking you to keep them safe from the evil one. They would be, that they would be beacons of my truth, of my gospel in the midst of the brokenness. Father God, would you help them to persevere? Father God, as I leave this, this earth and, and come back to you, I'm going back to glory. God, would my church be a whole bunch of little lights shining so bright in the midst of the brokenness. I uh, was at a, a Converge thing, and somebody mentioned a book, and I instantly looked on, on social media, or not social media, on my uh, Audible app, and it was actually a free book, uh, which is great. And so I just listened to it. It was uh, uh, Victor uh, Frankel, uh, and he wrote a book called uh, Man's Search uh, for Meaning. And it was a very powerful book. Uh, uh, he survived multiple concentration camps, and uh, he's a psychiatrist, was a psychiatrist, and uh, wrote a powerful perspective. Not a, not a Christian book, but just a really powerful uh, perspective. And uh, in, in, the, in the midst of the book, in the middle of the book, he talks about a, uh, a psychiatrist buddy uh, whose wife had died. And uh, he, he, he couldn't rationalize it himself. He then talked to other people. And he's like, I, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm suffocating. Like, I, can't, I can't move forward. Uh, I, I, I need some help. And so, uh, so he goes to a buddy in the field. And he talks. He gets on the couch of, of Victor. Uh, and they're talking. And uh, a few sessions, nothing's happening. Uh, but he said at the last session, uh, he simply asked this question. Uh, he's like, what would it have been life like if you had died first? And he's like, 
he thought for a second, and the guy just simply said, like, my, it would have been awful for my wife. She wouldn't have been able to navigate this. this the, the pain would have been too much for her. She, she, she would have a hard time navigating out of it. And, and, and then so Victor simply asked the question, so then is it good that you're still alive, <laughs> that you're the one navigating through this? And so he, he gained that perspective, and he said that was all that he needed. Uh, he got up off the couch and said, thank you, and he moved on. He saw that it was a gift for him to be the one handling the hurt, that his wife didn't have to handle the hurt that he was left with. It's, it's an odd perspective, right? Like that's, that's, that's a hard scenario for us to wrap our minds with, and it was easy for me to, to read that but also be devoid of it. But I remember very clearly in that hallway right there, praying with a guy named Lenny, whose wife was just diagnosed uh, with uh, stage four brain cancer. And, and in that same month time period, he was diagnosed with his own stage four cancer. And so the elders got together and we went into that hallway and we just to pray with him. That's what elders are called to do. And, and so we prayed with him, and, he, and I said, like, how, how can we be praying for you? You know what his prayer request was? I'm asking to outlive my wife so that I can be strong enough to guide her through it because whatever happens to me, I'm good. <laughs> I can handle this. But I don't know if she can. So I'm praying that I outlive her just long enough that I could be the one walking through this with her. It was a perspective that gripped me. And, to, and even this day, I'm getting text messages from his family as he's still fighting the cancer, and we are still praying for him. Life has unavoidable pain, doesn't it? I'm looking around this room, and I don't even know all of your stories. I, don't, I only know probably four of your stories. But here's what I know. Each of our stories have an element of pain, doesn't it? It's unavoidable and so what do we pray for people? Do we pray that they will avoid the unavoidable or do we pray that they will experience the peace that transcends understanding? Paul prays that for the Philippians. You know what you need for, if I'm praying for you, that you're going to find peace that transcends understanding. You know what you need for that to happen? A situation devoid of peace. That you would have something that does not feel peaceful and I would pray for you that you would have a peace that transcends all understanding. That you would, that, that for joy Jesus went before the cross. That you would know, know something as horrific as the cross and be able to find joy in the midst of it. Jesus is praying a prayer of perspective. Acknowledging that we will all experience different circumstances, different pains, different hardships. He's not pain, praying that it would go away. He's acknowledging reality and praying what you will find in the midst of the storm. That you and I would be able to find my God, Jesus Christ, the anchor for the soul in the midst of the storm. Jesus goes on. Prayers reveal our values. There's the value of security and perspective. And then lastly, the value of, of truth. He says, sanctify them in the truth. Uh, your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. Uh, and for their sake, I consecrate myself that they may be sanctified in the truth. Sanctified is not a word that we typically use. It simply means set apart for, for special use. Uh, your grandmother has sanctified dishes. 
She's going to use them at Thanksgiving. These are, this is her good china. They are sanctified. They are set apart for special use. You use it once a year. You have to hand wash every dish. She probably bought them at the dollar store. They're probably not worth anything, but they are, they are good china on Thanksgiving. And you're going to have to just eat them, and you're going to have to treat these dishes as if they've been passed down for generations and generations and generations because they're set apart for special use for Thanksgiving, the, the special meal that we're all going to have. Jesus is saying, I'm looking at them. As I have been sanctified, set apart for special use, now I sanctify them for special use. That they would not be of the world, but that they would go into the world. What did he say before he left this earth and went up to heaven? Go into all the world and preach the good news. That they would go into the world sanctified for special use. How do we do that? You and I strive. We want to be holy. We want to walk like Jesus. And what Jesus is praying is that we would go into the unholy world. Doesn't that seem counterintuitive? And so there's three ways in which we could tackle this, three ways in which we could be guided by truth. We could, we could go the way of isolation. Many church groups go the way of isolation. I want to be holy, and so I want nothing to do. I want to be devoid of everything with this world. I want to live in my own Christian bubble because I want to be holy while ignoring the mission that God has given me. The second option is, is, is inoculation. It's a, it's, a, it's a way we get uh, immunization. It's, it's that type of thinking where, where I get my shot and I'm good to go. <laughs> I have my shot and I can go do whatever I want. I can be a free spirit when I go and get... And so many Christians, they got their shot of Jesus. <laughs> and so I can go in the world and act like nothing ever changed. I can go into the world and... Forget forgiveness. Forget holiness. I can do whatever I want. I got my shot. They don't care about repentance. They don't care about the message. It's, it's go and live like everybody else because I got my shot of Jesus. Is that what he's asking for? The third option that I think we have when we're guided by truth, going out into the world is insulation. It's cold outside. And if you have insulation, guess what? The world is cold, but inside it's good and warm. <laughs> you can be in the midst of something that has a much different temperature when you're insulated by Jesus and, the, and what is inside is maintained. When you and I have Jesus, we can go out into the world, not being like the world, but being insulated like Jesus, maintaining our holiness where we say, I'm going to do what's right and as I maintain my holiness, not looking down on you, but just wanting to give you Jesus, I hope I live so differently as I engage this world that they see Jesus. I moved from New Hampshire, and I don't know if you've ever been to New Hampshire, but New Jersey is different. <laughs> my first stop was Lincroft, New Jersey. I got out of my car, I needed gas, I started pumping my gas, and the person behind me said, literally, you're not from around here, and I was like, super offensive, uh, and, 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 and then the person came up and started pumping my gas, and I was like, whoa, 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 homeboy can pump his old gas, like, who are you, like, I am capable, don't judge me and say, I can't pump my gas, <laughs> a little did I know, I was breaking the law, super awkward, <laughs> 
And, uh, and so then, then I also realized that I was not from New Jersey when I went to the grocery store. Um, because, you know, like, what do you, what, I get the cart. And <laughs> I, what do you, like, in New Hampshire, the cart's free, the beaches are free, 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 free. Like, live free or die. Like, that's New Hampshire. And I'm like, cart, cart, cart. Like, can't get a cart. Do you know how many times I have left ShopRite with way too much stuff in my hands, fumbling around the store because I can't get a stupid cart? <laughs> Do you know how many times I've gone around uh, ShopRite in that little fire truck or police truck with no kids because I can't get a cart? <laughs> Did you know that this is a picture that I took on, uh, on Monday? I went to the grocery store. There's a key on my keychain. I have no clue what it's for. <laughs> Not a clue, but it's perfectly rounded at the end. <laughs> and so you can repurpose it. Put it in the key thing and get your cart when you do not have a quarter. I have no clue what this key is for, but it is perfect at the grocery store. <laughs> it has been repurposed for me to use it as I need to use it and want to use it. You are not of this world. You have been repurposed for a much different purpose than the purposes of this world. God has looked at you and said, you were made for my workmanship. You were made to go out and to do good works in this world, to go out and share the gospel with people that do not know Jesus. We are to live differently. You want to know what a successful Christian life is? You might think you're living a successful Christian life by isolating yourself from the world, but what if God defines success differently? Because you're not going to die and Christ isn't going to be like, hey, well done, good and, good and successful Christian. You know what he's going to say? Well done, good and faithful servant. Your goal as you navigate the brokenness of this world is to be faithful. Is to be obedient. Every day I want to be obedient to my Jesus in the brokenness of this world, to reflect his glory, to have his glory shine on me and bounce off of me to the world around me. Your prayers reveal your values. It will show us the value of security, uh, perspective, and of uh, truth. There's a, a crew is, is a sport that I've never gotten into. There, there's, there's that machine uh, at the gym and whatnot, and uh, it's super hard, so I don't do it. It's annoying. And uh, but it is a sport, and uh, it's like an Ivy League sport. There's probably some other D's de degrees type schools that do it too, but it's mostly an Ivy League thing. So I, you know, I never did it because it was for the smarter people. Uh, and uh, and so crew uh, is a thing where you have all these jacked guys. Uh, and if you know anything about crew, they're all facing the wrong direction. <laughs> they're not actually facing in the right way. There's only one person. Uh, this dude right here, uh, who has a different muscle structure than everybody else. And, uh, and so he's actually the only one facing the right direction. Uh, he's, his position on, on the team is to be the coach in the boat. Uh, arguably, he's the, he is physically the weakest person in the boat, but he's the most important person in the boat. Because he's the only one, he's the only one facing the right direction. He's the only one that can see the finish line. He's the only one that when they're, when they're slowly guiding, uh, gu going the wrong direction, that he can guide them back. He has, a, he has a box underneath his seat that has a microphone to, to speak to the refs and to also speak to, the, to his team before him. 
And, uh, and so he's, he's, able to, he's able to communicate to the rest, but he's also able to say, like, uh, a row harder. They do a hard 10 is one of the things that he might say where they rowed 10 strokes really, really hard to get them, to get them going. Uh, he, can, he can, certain commands and the little rudder, he can also guide them a different way. And uh, if he's not in the boat, odds are that they're not going to fly through the water. <laughs> odds are they're going to get out of sync and they're going to actually start competing against each other. Odds are, because they're not facing the right direction, they're not going to be able to, to stay straight here, narrowly, like go down the road. They're going to they're gonna all of a sudden be like, whoop, gone. <laughs> and, and so as, as, I, as I think about this, and we're going to go into a time of worship, is Jesus in the boat? Have you invited him into the boat? Are you rowing as hard as you can, competing against other people, rowing as hard as they can, when you simply need to listen to the voice of the one in the boat that knows the direction you should go, that knows when to row hard and when to slow down, that knows when to do a power 10 and when just to kind of go. That knows when to say to the umpire or the ref, whatever they call it. That knows how to speak to what needs to be said. That knows how to get the boat through the rough waters. When you have a group in a boat listening to the coach and they are in sync, the boat will fly. My Jesus, when he left this earth, said, I pray that you will keep them unified. What would happen if individually and collectively we invited Jesus into the boat? Not only invited him into the boat, but listened to our coach. <laughs> listened to him. I'm going to close in prayer uh, for my portion, and then we're going to go into, again, three songs of worship. And as we go into these three songs of worship, I just ask that you would reflect. Who is in your boat? And are you listening to the right voice? Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for this time to reflect upon you, reflect upon your desires as you were leaving this earth. And Father, here we are thousands of years later, and I don't believe your desires have changed. And so, Lord, I, I pray that you would have the loudest voice in our lives. Would we know the joy of rowing with our brothers and our sisters towards you, the goal, the prize of our lives, Father? Would you be everything to us in our everyday life? We love you, Jesus. In your name, amen. Jesus entered into the boat, and some years later, they're leading a song <laughs> for a church. Amen. Praise God for that. Yes. Is Jesus in your boat? He's made a way, but he wants to be invited in. <laughs> he doesn't force his way on. He looks for you to acknowledge that there's a missing seat on the boat. <laughs> you created that missing seat with your sin. <laughs> he died having lived a perfect life and wants to be invited in because he paid the penalty that you should pay for that sin. So have you invited Jesus onto the boat? And when you do, if you do, when you do, waters do not become smooth. There's still storms. They're passing out a piece of paper right now. I would love you guys to look at here. And 
we're going to need to go to a time of prayer. The waters are still rough. When I said yes to Jesus, uh, my life didn't become perfect. I faced the same hardships that everybody else on planet Earth faces. But I only know how to face those hardships with Jesus. I was saved at a young age, and I don't really know what it's like to navigate the brokenness of this world without my Jesus. To me, going through the hardships of life without Jesus is truly unimaginable. Is Jesus in your boat? When I look to give you guys a challenge with every sermon, I don't think about, well, what would be easy for them? (laughs) That wouldn't be much of a challenge. And so I am challenging you guys today to go to God in prayer for three hours this week, consecutively. Do a three-hour prayer walk with your Jesus, to walk and talk with your Jesus. And so this, this first sheet is just kind of a guided way of going about that. Perhaps you've never invited Jesus onto the boat, your boat. And so perhaps it just starts with inviting Jesus to be a part of this journey, to say, I'm going, I want to navigate this life with you on the boat. Jesus, I need you. My sin deserves a penalty, and you paid that penalty for me. I believe that. I have faith in you, Jesus, that you died and rose again, giving me life, and that you walk through this life with me. And for everybody else that has already invited Jesus onto the boat, your life is still hard. And I know it is a challenge to carve three hours out of your week. You have kids, you have jobs, or perhaps you're retired and you just make excuses. But whatever it might be, (laughs) would you take those three hours? It's a challenge and walk and talk with Jesus. Here's one of the things that you guys can be praying for when you do that. We've talked a little bit about pizza church. Now, I want to kind of put a little bit of a spin on it. It's not so much pizza church because we could do that here. We could move these chairs, have a bunch of tables here, but we have feel called by God to go into other communities. And so we feel called by God to go out into other communities, not just huddle up here. And we also feel called by God to reach to people that Sunday morning is not... A time that they can always make happen. That sometimes they work or sometimes there's travel that's unavoidable. And so what would it look like to have an evening opportunity for people to engage relationally, to be around their brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ and to hear the exact same sermon that's happening on a Sunday morning. Those two things don't have to be competing things. And so January 2nd, we are launching a Bayville campus, DBA, whatever that terminology is, as Pizza Church (laughs) because we want it to be relational. This is relational. We've been doing uh, cookies. We're trying to gear ourselves more towards relationship. Why? Because in this broken world, you can find any, there is no shortage of unhealthy relationships. I think that the church can be best at anything. What if we were great at healthy relationships? <laughs> and so Pizza Church, January 2nd, here's a little bit about the why. Here's, here's some ways that you guys can get involved. Here's a little bit of a, of a schedule. Yes, there will be pizza. Yes, we're, we're going to spend about $175 a week on pizza. Yes, we're going to spend $125 roughly for, for the, uh, for the uh, rental place. But guess what? That's pocket change. 
We're going to be able to make something happen really, really cheap and feed people and share the word of God and the hope of Jesus as we navigate through this broken world. And so I invite you to pray. I invite you to check out an Amazon wish list. And I invite you to email me and I will find a spot for you to help us make this happen. <laughs> Bayville, new community, January 2nd, with a whole butt ton of pizza. <laughs> and a sermon. And Jesus and good people. So would you guys stand? Let me pray over you. God, I, I read your word, and I know that you did not pray for us to avoid the hardships of this world. Father, I, in that spirit, pray for the people that you've blessed this church with. Not so much they would avoid hardship. But Father, as we all walk in here with different rough waters, the waters are still rough. <laughs> Father, would we find you to be the anchor for the soul? Father, when the world wants us to run from you, would we cling to you? Father, would these people know the joy of their salvation as they navigate the rough? Father, would these people know a peace that transcends understanding when they are walking through a situation that does not feel peaceful? Father, as we walk in here with life looking so different, would we know the Father that walks through this with us? As we endure our cross, Father, would we worship you, the one who endured his cross for our sake. We love you, Jesus. We give it to you. In your powerful name, amen. We'll see you guys next week. Peace.